Hello, everybody. This is Stacy with LSDS again, and today we've got a new topic uh, that really utilizes both sides of the LSDS house. You hear me talk about risk mitigation side of the house. Also, we've done a bunch of series on the organizational excellence side, and this topic really pulls from both of those, kind of crosses the lines there, and that is crisis response. This is going to be a fun topic to go into. I'm going to warn you now, we're going to pull this into like a two-part series where today is going to be the basic intro of what crisis response is, and then we're going to lead into another podcast that talks about the threat and vulnerability assessments. So Terry is going to be talking about this a lot today. Thank you, Terry, for taking the time to do this. Hi, Stacey. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Uh, can you explain a little bit of how the crisis response piece, how this works across our areas of effort in the company? Sure. As you mentioned in the lead-in, this really is a wonderful place in the company where both our organizational excellence focus and our risk mitigation focus meet. Often I'm asked when I'm meeting with others, how do these two come together? And I'll tell them those two sides of the business really come together in crisis response and crisis management. Because when you think of crisis response, it really is those actions taken by a person family, organization to deal with situations that could have caused or potentially already impacting life, limb, functionality of the business, those kinds of things. So this is to its core, a decision-making exercise that goes on with real consequences to humans, infrastructure, brand, et cetera. So that's where the crux of it and where it comes from. And I think for us, it's just so important for anyone that we interact with to have a fundamental understanding of what a crisis management team can look like and, and what the decision processes are, as well as when you need a time-sensitive response to some situation that's getting out of control. A couple of my last careers ago, I worked in a space where we were moving pretty quickly to a lot of situations at once, and those organizations really had honed crisis response and crisis management. Now, in many instances, we're not asking companies or corporations to get to a special operations style responsiveness or reflexiveness in the space, but we are asking them to really think through situations, make sure they're ready and be able to, to get through any situation that may arise and they don't have to work through each one. They just got to have a system by which they can enact to help them solve problems and work through it. I like that a lot. So covering the basics of the crisis response and who all needs that yeah, so I, I think every individual and family and business should have some crisis response plan or action. In homes, whenever we work inside homes, we'll tell people to rehearse their plan to alert their family members and evacuate, right? Mm -hmm. It's the reason we have alarm systems in our homes is so that you can react when something can cause you potential harm. That what we do with organizations, because there's so many people that are involved, is we work through the mechanics of what constitutes a level of concern, and then how do you alert everyone, and then how do you take the necessary actions to deal with, I mean, the situations here are endless, but in my mind, everybody, everybody that can hear this podcast and, and those who don't needs a crisis response plan. And in larger organization, that means you need a crisis management team to be able to put forth the best decisions, best recommendations, and use processes to deliver the results. Okay, that makes that makes a lot of sense there. So how does this work in practice with organizations? And, and yeah. how does that scenario, the demands, the needs, whatever's there, 
how are those addressed through the yeah. process of enhancing the crisis management and those crisis response capabilities. Fantastic. Historically, our phone rings after something bad has happened. And usually someone, it hasn't happened to the person or the business, but it has happened close enough where they want to take action. And they realize that this situation could happen to us, but we don't know how to start getting ready for it. So the first thing that we try to do is understand what exists now inside an infrastructure or for infrastructure inside a business. And I'll speak businesses here, but really it's everything from higher learning institutions to the families to whatever's right. But I'll say business most likely through this podcast. But the first thing is understanding what are they, what kind of infrastructure they have in place. And then the next part is understanding how do they solve problems? Because in, in some instances, they have a safety plan, safety committee, safety team in place, but they've never exercised them into anything stressful. Uh, they're not doing anything other than a basic walkthrough of fire drills, and maybe every once in a while, an active shooter lockdown or lock-in, but they're really not walking through the mechanics of stress testing the system. So the first thing we learn is what do you have in place for infrastructure? And then how have you challenged your normal, if you will. And what we try to do is work with any organization to review their standard practices, how they equip themselves, what they have in the space of safety plans, and how they are responsive to just the regulatory requirements of safety. And then we figure out what is it to really build a more capable team to solve problems, what's needed next. And in order to work through this, historically work through this in three levels, and there may be four depending on, but I'll talk primarily three levels is how we get through this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that breakdown is going to be really helpful for seeing how the different places and what efforts go into each parts of these as well. Yeah. And when we start historically, and, and again, everything is based off our clients. Historically, we work through what we call intro to crisis response or a level one. Our level one really gives team of leaders, usually it could be others, but usually a team of leaders, an introduction to what crisis response and crisis management is all about. In essence, that understanding of why it matters. And then the next thing that we do is we try to work through with them and get an understanding of the various scenarios that could happen. For example, if an organization has travelers abroad a lot, for example, one of the situations we want to work through with them is what happens if a traveler deals with a situation that makes the international news, if you will, while they're traveling abroad and in any number of those. So we want to work through how the team gathers information, how well they keep records, how well they problem solve, and then how do they manage the message and take care of people after. So this first level is really just an introduction. And part of what we do there is we help draft, if they don't have one, their standard procedures for crisis, their crisis management team, and then how they go through the decision-making process associated with managing crisis. So this would be who's gathered, who makes decisions, at what point are the senior leaders brought in, CEO, general counsel, board of directors, those kinds of things, but also who actually does the work? How does the crisis management team work to solve problems and deal with the situations? So all of that is done in, in our crisis response level one, and sometimes the intro, the class itself takes about an hour. And then another hour, hour and a half really gives us a sense of how they're solving problems, what they need to work on. And then there's a combination of the, the organization doing the work or we helping them, but they, they really refine their processes. And then we get ready for 
what we would know as our first tabletop exercise, where we're dealing with our first scenario, if you will. So what can they do after that? Once they've had the introduction, identify who the key players are, which is critical with something like this. They do that tabletop exercise. Or is there a next level to that or more yeah. to be added to that? Oh, yeah. So, so the beauty of tabletop exercises is they become more complex as the team evolves. So if you think our first tabletop exercise is really an exercise in dealing with a little bit of uncertainty in a relatively controlled environment, a serious incident of some kind has to be reported, which allows us to test serious incident reports, how information flows in the organization, at what point it's considered something that needs the attention of leaders, those types of things. So really from us, usually we'll run one or two parallel situations and really test how the process works. And, and also some basics of how or how's information kept? How do you inform the rest of the teammates that are associated away from the crisis response team or the crisis management team? Those are the kinds of things we do in level one. Level two, as you might imagine, takes a little bit longer. It's a little more complex and it give us our first set of the human dynamic of dealing with people. For example, if a scenario is that someone, uh, an employee has been injured somewhere by this scenario, usually we work in isolation. What we like to do is begin to introduce role players who are a relative of an individual, this fictitious person, and then really amp up the pressure by either pulling on the heartstrings of the team or giving someone some external frustrations to deal with while they're also managing a real situation or even dealing with employee rumors of, hey, I heard this, and how does, it, how does a team really begin to make sure everyone understands reality and quell those concerns and, and move and continue to move the organization forward? And then by the time we get to what we know is a, our third crisis response scenario, it's a pretty big deal, right? I mean, at this point, we've got role players calling in from potentially around the world, depending on the organization. We've got scenes unfolding in real time. We've even went as far as to, to put some artificial constraints on being able to use equipment, a la cyber attack and those kinds of things. So we've really made it as complex as we can because we want to push organizations to their limit because we know that the more that you can do under stressful situations and training, the more you're going to be able to handle in the event that you have to deal with things in real life. So this gets to be really unique as we're planning this because it, by the time we get to a level three, we don't want it to occur, if we have our way anyway, we don't want it to occur during a normal workday because in all of the years that I've, I've been around leadership, rarely do I get the call at three o'clock in the afternoon. Most of the time I get the call at 2.30 in the morning and it says, hi, are you awake? Well, I am now. Uh, you're not going to believe this is usually the next phase. And then we deal with it, right? Uh, and so we try to we try to work around teams and work with teams when it's a less than optimal time, because historically, that's when crisis finds us. And through this whole process, whether it's the initial interaction or any of our, our crisis response tabletops, our team, the LSDS team, has taken copious notes. We're refining inputs. As you saw recently with one that we did, we're building injects and scenario changes on the fly because we want to really keep it on track, but we also want to stretch the organization. So this is a pretty, it's a very fluid time uh, on the backside, but it also gives us the ability to test an organization in real time. By the time you do these, what we find is teams are incredibly capable of problem solving. Their systems, those things that help them make decisions are really refined 
And they're getting into space like, how do we manage our internal and external messaging? How do we make sure that our brand is strong through these times of challenge? How do we make sure that we know which stakeholders to inform and who really has decision-making ability when things get to be interstate or international? How do those types of things come together? And, and obviously, there's a lot of work on the backside for our team to make this right and to make it relevant. But really, what we find is getting those teams to a certain level of capability means that you've also enhanced the problem-solving capability of the company far beyond the crisis management team. And those best practices are, are continuing to flourish with far-reaching positive consequences across the company. So it, it is a lot of fun to do. We don't, we don't try to do these back-to-back. -back. Usually these are weeks or months in between because we want time for the systems and processes to update. And we also want to make sure that we are giving the best challenges possible. So it really is getting an organization to a next level of capability. And I've gotten to work with a couple of these over the past year or so. And uh, you touched on this a little bit, Terry, but it is so cool to watch the teams of people that we're working with and putting through these tabletop exercises work through not only the problems that we're handing them, if you will, but also anything that they need to fix internally too. Right. Like just really, it was so cool to see in this one group in particular, just really problem solve together in such a neat and cohesive way where it was just really like, oh, identifying a yeah, gap right. that they may have had that they wouldn't have noticed otherwise unless they were actually in the situation. So they were able to like address it right then or be like, okay, we need to figure this out before the next tabletop exercise. So, which they did. So they, from that first one, the kind of level one you were talking about, they identified like, okay, we've got some gaps here, here, and here we need to address. And by the time we came back with that level two, which which was like months later, they'd had time to address that, fix it, address, get those holes filled on their end. It was really, really fun to see that happen. And, and some humorous points, right? How do you deal with real life nuisance calls in the middle of a crisis yes. response crisis response exercise and 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 watching how do you manage? This is what leaders do every day. Best leaders. They manage the complex, gut-wrenching challenges and then manage to compartmentalize that and walk into other events of the day that need their time, and they, they deliver that incredibly well. So you really get to watch an organization just become a better version of themselves. And, and to be on the, what we really enjoy so much is being on the backside of that and, and really finding, being able to move an organization to right at the edge of its capabilities, back off a little bit, do some lessons learned, and then push them a little bit farther. It's the best of any training we've ever done physically or mentally. It's that ability to continue to take it to another level. And when organizations embrace it, it is just extraordinary to see them and how good they can become at problem solving, complex problems, multiple at the same time, and over some duration. And so I think it's just, it's just, for us, it's some of the most rewarding work that we do because we know that it saves lives, right? At the end of the day, we often get asked, if we do this, how do we know that we're not wasting our time? And I'll tell you that we've never had one organization that we've worked with that hasn't needed it for some reason or the other. And I'm not talking catastrophic event, but just for something is, it's a crunch play, if you will, and then got to respond very quickly. They already know how to assemble a, a comprehensive team. They know how to put the necessary information together. They know how to work effectively in between updates, and they're really fantastic at this abbreviated planning and execution model. That's just something for every organization to strive to be able to do, and we, we like being part of it. 
It's, it is super fun. I will say it's, it's very yeah. fun to be involved in. So what are, what are some of the best practices that you see in your experience with doing these with really prepared organizations? Yes. Being part of these teams, I get the luxury of being engaged and disengaged so I can also learn a lot. So I, I, I am happy to say that I have gained this perspective of watching so many great teams. But first one that I'll tell you is they're a cohesive team, right? That is a best practice, whether it's on our organizational excellence side, and we see an executive offsite where we see teams really come together. But in our crisis management work, if a team is cohesive and they understand how they make decisions, they already got an advantage. But then it gets down to some of the mechanics of safety and security, right? Do they have a safety plan? Do they have a safety team? Do they have the basics of problem solving, data management, those kinds of things? And is it nimble enough to move at speed? And are they willing to put in the, uh, apply attention between, especially our first tabletop and our second, to refine those so they work better? So that total focus and some of those basics of the mechanics of just safety and security uh, are extremely important. And, and the next one is mindset. Do they have a learning, always improving mindset? That's the next one. And then finally, they understand that, yes, it could happen to them, right? When we, when our business, as you know, we get to read and study a lot of catastrophes around the world. And often what we find is people just, they're still in this belief that it probably won't happen here, or I don't think it could happen in our workplace, or odds are we're doing everything right. But I think this understanding of, yes, it could happen, what's right for us? And I think that's the thing that we like seeing the most. And a half hour being inside an organization, historically, you can get a feeling of just how focused an organization is. So it really is about the culture of an organization and how they're making it work. So a best practice kind of all encapsulating in that word of a focused culture. Okay. Yeah, that's pretty interesting. Caveat to this, not caveat, but in conjunction with that question too, is there anything that you see that is often overlooked more than other things when it comes to doing these? Yes. The number one thing that we find ourselves pushing organizations to think through is after an incident. Let's say that you have catastrophic incident in the workplace. I'll let anyone's imagination run with that. Often when we work crisis response scenarios, we'll get a team to a point where they'll assemble, they'll identify it as, as something they've got to work on, and they'll walk all the way through to the point where this situation is resolved. Then we apply a little bit of effort to, for them to think about the next day what happens when the sun rises tomorrow, right? For example, if an incident has happened in a workplace that removes that sense of safety and security in the workplace, how, when the sun comes up the next day, how do you get employees to come to work, right? And truly commit to a safe and wholesome workplace again. What are those resources that you've thought through that are ready for things like behavioral health support? even potentially renovations or determining what needs to change in the way that the team works, who comes to work that day. Those types of things really help an organization work through that, the so what on the next day, because healing takes a very long time. And when organizations simply stop thinking and their thought process and their planning, what we know is the next day is coming and the next day can be pretty darn traumatic for an organization, whether that's in the workplace or somewhere else, there are often a lot of people that have to need assistance to move forward. And the leaders in the room are some of those people. So one of the things that we see get, that does get overlooked a lot is what happens the next day? How do you make it work? 
And for those who speak to leaders on these podcasts, leaders, if you're out there and your safety team is doing great things and you have a crisis management team and that crisis response team is your crisis response planning is solid. The question I'd, I'd encourage you to ask is what happens when the sun rises the next day? How do we get ready for that? And how do we make sure all of those resources are ready to go? If you're thinking through that, you are well above and well in front of many organizations. Oh, that's really interesting. Yeah, because I, I can see how it's like, okay, we had this concern, got it, covered it, and then I think you're done. With the tabletop exercise, you could be. But in reality, like you said, the sun comes up the next day, and then what happens? So that's yeah. pretty huge. So it, with this, with the levels that you laid out here and talked about, is there, can anyone at any point jump in and serve certain parts of these levels here. Either they could have absolutely no crisis response set up, which kind of with those levels you laid out how we would help with that. But say they do have something set up, could yeah. they? Could we come in and help just kind of give them a test run with that? Is yes, that a certainly. possibility too? Certainly, there's a whole lot of great organizations out there. We like to think we're one of them for sure because we've helped so many folks. But yeah, if, if your team is hitting on all cylinders, right, you're, you're no kidding are good and refined, I would encourage you to stress test the system with an externally provided event. And, and also, if you're just building it, getting someone to sit in the corner and just observe your processes and systems and how you go about problem solving, man, just perspective often gives you another edge if you will, when situations find you. To answer your question, Stacey, yes. Whether you're just starting off or whether you've got a, an incredibly strong, refined team, certainly our team is capable of helping. And then there's also all of the other things around this, training safety teams and getting CPR certified and active shooter training and on and on and on, those things that give you the ability to problem solve. Those are things that our team has been delivering for a long time also. So I'm, I'm happy to say that wherever a team may find themselves, and we're excited to be part of just the continued evolution of good to great. I like that. Thank you for explaining that because it's there's so many parts to this and it's probably a good idea too, even when you have this set up to like every other year or something, just like you said, stress test it, make sure everything's still moving. There could be people who have moved, moved positions and changed roles, et cetera, just making sure everybody's ready to respond to that. I do really like to, with getting to work with these, the caring, that it kind of puts across to the people that these teams are working for. It definitely gives that purpose out to everyone that they're with, that they're doing the best they can to make sure that they're prepared for an emergency and that they're gonna be there to help take care of everybody to the best of their ability, which is really neat to see. And yeah. it gives them the confidence to going into emergencies that they have done something and they have something in place to deal with it. So yeah, I agree. And I think that's one of the reasons why I've been so impressed by role players that we bring to this, right? Because, you know, it's one thing to say, hey, you'll deal with a grieving loved one, but to mm -hmm. have a grieving loved one present themselves and to, and to deliver their role in such a compelling way that everyone in the room is, is crying, right? That forces an organization to understand the human cost and, and why you do it, right? And so one of the things that we have been able to do is bring role players in one of the scenarios a few years ago, we had to run for an organization was international concerns. So our, our role player called, or they had a number to call our role player in another country. And that role player answered the phone in their native tongue, which really caused this, this uh, pause of, I'm sorry, do I have the right person on the phone here in the United States, I speak that language, uh, which caused this understanding of, hey, there's a human you've got to deal with. And it sure briefs well that you'll just reach out and talk to them. 
but you've also got to figure out how you're going to communicate in this instance in another country. But we, adding that human dynamic to it really does drive home the why, and it keeps teams super focused. And I'm pleased to report that those teams just get really good at dealing with large to small situations. And then the senior leaders are thinking about not only the human and their families and all those other aspects, but they're also thinking about those things like liability, brand strength, those types of things, and being able to work in those rooms where all of those thoughts are going on. And the most important thought of all is our teammate and our teammate's family. That's the things that we really enjoy seeing organizations staying so focused on what really matters and just a, a super rewarding part of our job. Absolutely. So thank you for going into this, the crisis response topic. It's a big one. It can seem daunting at first, I think, too, a little overwhelming, but with the right guidance and along the way, it's a process for sure. We can certainly help there if needed. Up next, so next podcast in the series with this that kind of leads off of this crisis response topic will be TVAs, which are the threat and vulnerability assessments. Terry, can you just give us a quick blurb on what TVAs are. Yes, certainly. So many places around the globe when I was in uniform, our threat and vulnerability assessments kept our forces safe. We've obviously modified those tremendously, making those work for businesses and organizations. Uh, but really what we do now is a comprehensive safety, security, uh, all factors associated with a wholesome and healthy workplace. And that's what we affectionately know here as threat and vulnerability assessments, because if you've got a super safe place, but you've got a lot of disgruntled employees, well, that's a potential vulnerability for safety and security and longevity of the business. So our threat and vulnerability assessments are incredibly comprehensive. They take us some time to complete, but we have found them to be another great resource that organizations want to pursue and they want to address any of those concerns so that they can have a safe, functioning, wholesome workplace for everyone who is an employee and clients and customers. So it is a great part of our work, but I, and I'm happy to talk with you. I think Joe's gonna join us for that one, but, but happy to talk about that next time. So when we started down this road many years ago to build and refine the most comprehensive assessments we could do, we brought a whole lot of expertise together to begin the baseline. And we've evolved it tremendously since then as we've continued to just get better at them and continue our own capabilities, growth and, and expansion internally. So it's, it's a great topic to have for sure. Wonderful. I'm looking forward to digging into that one more. So that's going to be a fun topic that'll be coming out here soon. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you, Terry, for taking the time to dive into this. Thank you, Stacey. Detail. Yeah, and we'll be back soon with more. Um, in the meantime, you can always reach us via email at riskmitigation at lsds.us or from our website, lsds.us. Thanks for listening, and we will talk with you next time. Bye, everyone.